what might you do if you received a mysterious delivery but had no idea who sent it? What if that unmarked package contained an old diary with no explanation? That's exactly what happened to Angela. The only clue was a note. It contained just six words that were stuck to the worn front cover of the thick leather-bound book filled with hundreds of handwritten pages. The note said, use this as you see fit. The last entry of the diary, which seems to be filled with personal stories involving cannabis, is dated April 20th, 2022. It's intriguing. Who wrote the diary? Where did it come from and why was it sent? Angela, along with her friend Brandon, are ready to explore the entries to learn more. Even though they have no idea who the author is or why the diary was anonymously sent, they're both committed to finding answers. On this podcast, we're exploring the diary and learning more about the experiences of whoever wrote it. Through that exploration, hopefully we'll solve the mystery of the diary and why Angela was trusted with this extraordinary responsibility. Brandon. Yes. I have confirmation of something. Uh, Confirmation about the validity of the moon landing? (laughs) No. (laughs) I I cannot confirm or deny that. No. Mm -mm. What do you have confirmation Okay, so you know how I've been kind of obsessed with the diary? Mm. Uh, Obsessed is a word to use. I think it's the word to use. mm -hmm. And rightfully so. Intriguing piece of writing. Mm -hmm. And while I haven't read everything yet, I believe uh, April 20th of 2022 is the last entry. Okay. Even though it's not at the end. It's not. So you skimmed through this whole thing and found where... Where it says April 20th, 2022 is the last one. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't use the word skim, but uh, I think I mentioned before, it's a little strange because it's not, the information, the content isn't delivered in a linear fashion, despite the dates. Which um, I think is, is being, really, really odd about it, that it's not, that doesn't go in straight time forward sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know why that is, because uh, whenever I was uh, whenever I was skimming through it wearing my one glove, uh, one, one glove, one, because I think the requirement is two <laughs> and I, you have nicer gloves than I do. So you have no reason not to make sure you're not too. I am able to drive a car and eat a cheeseburger at the exact same time and be totally fine. So I think the one hand thing works just fine. So one glove. I was okay. doing the one glove. I'm not I'm not sure I agree with that. And I'm not sure what the front of your shirt says <laughs> after that, after you have. Or, and I can't endorse that. That doesn't feel very safe. Well, you know, it's one of those things. You have a little snack a couple hours after you eat a little pickle. You can <laughs> pull right off your shirt. Um, speaking of adventures, it feels like a pick your own adventure book. But mm-hmm. I don't get to make any decisions. It's just <laughs> done for me. Then well then it, that yeah I guess that wouldn't really be a choose your own adventure book it would just be an adventure book, right? But in a very perplexing way, I believe that there's a pattern here, and I maybe I need to find a mathematician that's got some extra time when I'm ready to let someone else, you know, yeah. take a look. Yeah, but well, why don't um, we do this? Why don't we just choose another entry and go through? 
what is in the entry and see what's up. Okay, I can do that. And I am already gloved. I have the diary out here. How about next time you get to pick the spot, the random spot? I feel like I'm monopolizing a little bit and I've been a little protective. I acknowledge that. Okay. Um, So I will point the finger today and then next time it's your finger in the game. (laughs) My finger in the pie. (laughs) No, in the book, but okay. That's a blueberry finger. (laughs) All right. So uh, we'll skip the drum roll. Ugh. For preservation of your skin. <laughs> okay. Uh, and here. Right. Oh. Oh, I have looked at this one before. Um, so it's hard to make out the month on this. And it looks like it's a J. So I'm going to assume it's June or July. Mm-hmm. It says 9, 1946. Or J for joint. Right. But that's not a name of a month. <laughs> <laughs> Should be. Possibly we would all feel a little differently if that were the case. Or January. I guess there's another option. Okay. It could be January. Okay. Um, okay. So this is where it starts. My cousin Mez got in touch with me today to tell me about the other Mez. Mez Mezro, the original Mez. Oh, can, here. Can you see this? It's a little... I think that's supposed to be a little clarinet. That Sure. that doesn't look like a clarinet but but you see that's the closest thing i can come up with um looks like that thing in star wars that they play in the cantino i don't i don't get that reference but i like that little jam okay (laughs) uh so i think it's clarinet and maybe maybe the writer of this particular of all of these entries is more word inclined than let's say artistically um, or Mm. visually inclined, but we'll see. It would appear that way. To say that I've spent a lot of time with Mez over the years is an understatement. I remember him working on his big project while I was around, but didn't realize it was finally done. Dot, dot, dot. His book came out. Um, You know what? I remember being in a store in a dispensary and seeing a strain called Mez and I didn't know what that meant. So I'm wondering if maybe that is, this has something to do with this, uh, this Mez Mezro, uh, not character, this person that existed, an actual person that did exist. So he did. Yeah. And it is likely true. He has been a major figure in the, you know, in the cannabis world, okay. counterculture world. All right. Sounds like, you know, a thing or two about it. I have done some reading. Um, let me, let me see where I left off. It's called really the blues. And I've been looking forward to when it was ready to read. I bet I mentioned in it at least a couple of times. I'm not going to lie. If I wasn't in it, I'd be really disappointed because Mez and I, we go way back. Hmm. Um, all right. So I think I have heard of this Mez, Mezro person. Um, I think he's from Chicago, but I don't know. Of course, a Chicagoan is able to, to recall. <laughs> Everything is from Chicago. Right. Everyone is from Chicago. Um, and yes, he is from Chicago, actually. Okay. And uh, he lived there. I believe he lived in New York later mm-hmm. and did some traveling. But yes, he is a Chicagoan. Chicagoite. Chicagoite? Chicagoan. 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 All right. Just depends on the day of the week. 
Or how, how many, cold it is. A, Chicago, a Chicagoan above 20 degrees, it's a Chicagoan when it goes underneath 20 degrees. It's a Chicagoan. <laughs> you know, I, not to generalize, um, but Canadians are often able to be picked out. They have a maple leaf somewhere visibly on their body, on their person, on their clothes, somewhere. And also a smell of maple leaf. Syrup? Yeah. They're maple leaf, maple syrup. Yes. Okay. They're very syrupy smelling people they're very sweet if we're gonna <laughs> meet not everybody but the ones that <laughs> i have encountered the, especially the french canadians um but how how do chicagoans identify themselves uh we identify them ourselves as having very 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 tough skin because of the cold weather uh the interesting thing is it took me a while to shed that skin moving away from chicago and then moving out here and then uh Thinking it was like, oh, it's not cold, not cold. And then for the, for the last year, all of a sudden, I just I just got cold out of the blue. I just, it's gone. Your, your Chicago skin is gone? My Chicago skin has been shed. Oh, no. So, I guess it, you would grow back if you went back. And you know what's funny? The Chicago skin that we shed, it's the exact same stuff that they put on a bratwurst. <laughs> like the brat skin. So. Oh, that's how you can tell a Chicagoan because they managed to work bratwurst into every conversation. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, yes. Okay, so he was from Chicago, and it, whenever I think of Mez, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that come to mind. But do you remember when I talked to you about um, Harry Anslinger? Yes, the face of cannabis prohibition. He wasn't yes. the complete was, in control person of all of it, but he wasn't he the was, face that ran the place. Well, no, he was the face that ran the place. It wasn't all him. Like he's not that powerful, but he was pretty darn powerful. Okay, and um. There was this part where he was doing a committee budget hearing in 1949. Committee budget hearing for anything in particular or just... Well, he was speaking at it. Okay, okay. And he was talking about marijuana and that he was concerned about marijuana usage among young people. And he was saying it was great. Nope, he was saying the opposite of that. And he, he said... That he was talking about jazz musicians, and this is a direct quote from Anslinger. I am not speaking about the good musicians, but the jazz type. Oh, <laughs> so mm. there was a definite distinction there yeah. for him. <laughs> oh, that Anslinger, Ugh, terrible. Okay, so where was I here? When I first met him, he was at a gig playing jazz at the Martinique Inn in Indiana Harbor. Mm. Which is near, I think it's referred to every once in a while as East Chicago because it's in Indiana. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just right over the border. This little guy, Patrick, took us into the can and we spent some time together. Patrick told Mez, you got to hold that muggle so that it barely touches your lips. Then draw an air around it. You've got to give the stuff a chance. Sounded like he had a buddy to help uh, help him with that first time there. Yeah, I love to hear about that, like like different first time experiences, and it's always better if you have somebody supportive. Did you do you have a first time experience where you had a buddy help you through it? I did, and they told me you're gonna cough, and you know what? And you did. I, what? And you did. Oh, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was a very long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's better because if you have somebody that's supportive and has been there before, they make fun of you less for coughing. Mm. That's just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, yeah, I think it was in high school and it was, 
I think it was just like during class in the middle of the day. And then we had, there was like a, I think it was this girl that I was, that I was in that I thought that was cute. It was like her and her brother. And then like we went out to like the woods that were out there and they made, they had this pipe that they made, that they made, I guess, like in a metal shop, metal class. Oh, yeah. That's public so, education at its finest. Yeah, and then no, and then and then I felt so proud because like we, you know, we took a hit. And she's like, "Oh, you took like that, like, that like a champ." So, and I was like, "Oh, wow, nice." Oh, yeah. So, and in Chicago, do you all call each other champ all the time, just out of curiosity? Champ, no. Okay, no. Just making sure. No, not like whammy. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Let me see here. Even though he didn't say it, I could tell Mez was a little nervous. I'm going to get a copy of that book tonight. He let me read a little bit here and there, and his story is definitely one that needs to be told. He's a cool cat that didn't always have it easy. He's always loved good jazz, good cannabis, and good times. Mm. Well, that's that's heartwarming. Yeah. There are so many parts that are heartwarming in each of these entries. Um, it really feels like this authentic voice is coming through. And actually, I've done some reading about Mez here and there. Okay. And I think I have it saved. Just give me a second. You know, I've got some some tabs open on my browser here. I'm just navigating. You have all of the tabs open for everything on that browser. That is the only way to have access to everything at the same time. And it makes me feel good. And co- Here it is. Here it is. Do you think Do you think God feels like that? I don't know. I mean, there's always something <laughs> to look at. Open. There's always yeah. something that needs so. attention. Um, and those tabs remind me. Mm. Ange, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, do, I did start. So this is a description of the first time that Mez... Um, consumed cannabis. Okay. And this is this is in the book. Let's hear it. All right. The first thing I noticed was that I began to hear my saxophone as if it were inside my head. Then I began to feel the vibrations of the reed much more pronounced against my lip. I found I was slurring much better and putting just the right feeling into my phrases. All the notes came easing out of my horn, like they had already been made up, greased, and stuffed into the bell. So all I had to do was blow a little and send them on their way, one right after the other, never missing, never behind time, all without an ounce of effort. I felt I could go on playing for years without running out of ideas and energy. There wasn't any struggle. It was all made to order, and suddenly there wasn't a sour note or a discord in the world that could bother me. I began to preach my millenniums on my horn, leading all the sinners to glory. It's a funny thing about marijuana. When you first begin smoking it, you see things in a wonderful, soothing, easygoing new light. All of a sudden, the world is stripped of its dirty gray shrouds and becomes one big belly full of giggles, a spherical laugh, bathed in brilliant sparkling colors that hit you like a heat wave. Nothing leaves you cold anymore. 
There's a humorous tickle and a great meaning in the least little thing. The twitch of somebody's little finger or the click of a beer glass. All your pores open like funnels. Your nerve ends stretch their mouths wide, hungry, and thirsty for new sights and sound and sensations. And every sensation, when it comes, is the most exciting one you've ever had. You can't get enough of anything. You you want to gobble up the whole goddamn universe just for an appetizer. Them first kicks are a killer. Ooh. Right? Yeah, I like that. That's why it stands out so much. Mm -hmm. Because you don't read this kind of writing describing that physical sensation. No, no I don't I, I I don't think I I would say probably I would like to I would like to see what Willie Nelson would think of that maybe, piece. Yeah, of that piece. Or I'd like to read anything that Willie has written about that. I mean, I want to read that about what everybody says. Yeah. yeah. But did that give you the goosebumps just it a did. little? Oh yeah, it did. Yeah. I I, I it was it was very uh Felt very uh, true to himself as far as what you know. He wasn't trying to mince words or anything, and I think that's that. That was, I think that's that. That's probably a pretty important piece to have been written at that time about um, how that made how marijuana made a person feel at that time, or how cannabis made someone feel at that time, especially a musician. So, heck yeah, yeah. And you know, it opened up some of that invitation for people to learn more because it was just being so villainized Mm -hmm. continues to be in so many ways but like a little like a little sneak peek like a little intimate sneak peek into mez's mind grapes yeah yeah uh well is there was there more in the in the diary oh yeah 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 there's a little bit more um let me see here i lost my place so uh Mez was infamous for a lot of things. One was his talent. Two was that he considered himself, his core, his very soul, to be black. That meant a lot to him, and him being okay with me made sense. There's like a little scribble next, and then it says, He never pushed me on anyone. He never set out to become a street pharmacist, but his name became synonymous with quality bud. Mm. After he kicked that bad stuff, and then in parentheses it says his wife stuck by him and helped him get off of it, he ended up in prison for two years for dealing. Wondering wondering if that bad stuff is the uh, the heroin or something like that. I it is. I remember reading that. Um And a lot of those a lot of those jazz musicians at that time, like they they they, uh, they eventually would went down that road of heroin, you know, which always seems kind of sad, you know. So it seems kind of seems kind of interesting that that it was, it was uh, their music was already an escapist style of music, and to want to even escape from the escapism is even even harder, I guess. So, hmm. yeah. Well, and I, like I remember reading really the blues and. Um substances are a part of the life, right? So he starts to explore some of that too. Um, but, huh. Um, let me see. He always stuck by me, even if it meant he had to deal with the aftermath. 
In his heart, he knew I wasn't inherently bad, just a pawn in a game that was controlled by people looking to maintain a status quo. I'm heading out to grab a copy as soon as I get all trimmed up. Hmm. Huh. That reminds me of um, when we were looking at the other entry where the the writer was talking about getting newspaper copies and then like writing all of it out by hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the author um, seems to want to share as much information as possible in this diary and then talk about sharing it with other people. I wonder what that means. Well, and also I thought it was interesting in the, in the, in the aspect, but uh, to his core uh, to be black um, and how Mez looked at himself as black at that time. Well, and actually, if you give me one more second, I have another tab. All right. All right. I have it saved because it was a really interesting commentary. I can't remember her name. It was somebody that wrote about, that did like a book review, but like a modern day book review. Oh, found it. See, everything is carefully organized, even though it looks like total chaos, like that meme from It's Always Sunny. Yeah. (laughs) But it's not. I know where everything is. Okay, so this is a woman named Beth Johnston, and she did this um, this book review. And uh, this was the part that I found to be the most interesting. Also worthwhile were Mez's observations of the intricacies of race in the first half of the 20th century. Mez himself has an unusual relationship to race for his time. A white musician who loves New Orleans jazz He at least once even pretends to be black so that he can live on the cell block with black inmates instead of white. And he he goes on. I'm not going to read the whole thing by by Miss Johnston, um, but there's this other part. But Mez's insistence on what he perceives as authenticity stems from a loyalty to the blues, the vibrant source of all our jazz in great part because it emerged as uniquely black music. Hmm. So he was a man, I think, that stood out because of his great talent and because he he was personally and like down deep in his core affected um, in his life with with a lot of the injustice that was happening. And so much of it had to do with substances and much was cannabis. And he is certainly not the only musician. There have been so many musicians and artists and creators over hundreds and thousands of years that have talked about how cannabis, uh, and I mean, among other substances too, but really the focus here is cannabis and how it can enhance and enrich the creative process. Well, I also wonder if he saw himself as an ally at that time. Hmm. Um, yeah, especially amongst, amongst the other, uh, especially amongst the black musicians. Um, it's kind of, you, you know, we will never really know what the intricacies of the personal relationships were between a lot of those musicians other than what's written, but it seems kind of like he was, he, he, like you said, saw injustices, saw that, and especially saw the, the, the ability for the use of marijuana to be used as a way to lock up a lot of people. Yeah, uh, lock up a lot of art, the the artistic types, um, especially when Anslinger talked about you know the jazz, not you know or the the good type of music which wasn't jazz, which was what he's what he called that. So I'm wondering if maybe he kind of saw 
he wanted to kind of see himself as someone who could speak out and speak up, um, as as opposed to it seemed maybe a lot of other white jazz artists at that time not speaking out, being mm-hmm. very quiet, being very cautious to say anything. So, um, yeah. But I, I wonder today what Mez would say about uh, about the best thing about cannabis. Like if you if you were to if you were to find him or dig him up uh, and ask him, you know what. What is the best thing about cannabis? I wonder. I just wonder what he would say. Brandon, I can tell you. Oh, well, <laughs> oh okay. Um. So, it, Mez has done a lot of writing, and cannabis, uh, and, and and many of the different names used for cannabis. There's a lot, and in his book, he actually has this really fantastic glossary, not just for names of cannabis, but for all kinds of terminology and phraseology that were. Um, you know, being more widely used then. And the the whole language component is fascinating, but I digress. Um, so one of the, my favorite Mez quotes is, um, Muda takes all of the goddamn hardness and evil out of you, cuts down the tush hog bullying side of your personality and makes you think straight with your head instead of your fists. It digs the truth out and dangles it right in front of your nose. And everything comes out washed, starched, and clean. Ah, the opposite of alcohol. <laughs> well, you know what? He actually talks in the book and in other writings um, and other interviews about how alcohol like dimmed his ability to perform. Hmm. And he, he was... There was constant commentary about what he was seeing other musicians do. And these are all musicians, by the way, all of these jazz musicians, these, according to Mm. Anslinger, bad jazz musicians, um, they all had files. The FBN had files on all of these folks um, because this... They were, you know, any jazz musicians. And then eventually that got bigger. They were focusing on Hollywood actors and other, you know, folk musicians. Bob Dylan comes to mind. Um, And lots of other writers. But so there was lots of targeting happening there. I just, I I love how he expresses it without pretension, without anything but genuine, this is how, what I thought and this is how I feel. uh, And and takes some of that stuff that can be really hard to describe and describes it. Yeah. Well, I think this was fascinating. I liked liked learning about Mez, finding out a bit about him. Um, I have a copy. Of really the blues, if you want to borrow it. Do I have to wear my gloves? No, no, no. That one I just got at Barnes and Noble. Okay, you are cool. you are good to go there. Fry fingers abound. I don't want to hear about <laughs> any fry finger possibilities though, because that just makes me nervous. <laughs> well, I say I, I I had a great time taking a look at, at Mez, and I think uh, I think we need to. Uh, Whenever we get together for our other, our next meeting here, I think we should we should open up another uh, chapter of the uh, the diary and kind of dive in because you said you're going to let me choose what date we're looking at. Yes, and I will not forget. Just bring your gloves and no direct breathing on it. Yes. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you. Well, thank you and Mez. I'm just going to be thinking about Muda taking all the goddamn hardness and evil out. Join us next time for Use This As You See Fit, The Diary of Mary.